welcome Amen. to the Progress with Unity podcast. Kevin, nice to have you back. How are we doing? Nice to see you. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> to, to say that our, when I looked at the form table for Sheffield Wednesday post-COVID, um, it's quite depressing, really. So, um, but but we're still we're still in the championship at this stage. But let's <laughs> not count our chickens on that. No, no. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be some conversational topics um, around that uh, yeah. a little later. Uh, young Adam, you you with the hold up this evening? Um, gone out for a cheeky Nando's. Other chicken <laughs> shops are available. How are we doing? Yeah, not so bad, sir. Thank you. Good stuff. Nice and short and to the point. Uh, Mr. Thorpe. Always cried saying that I'd take, come to you last. How are we doing? Uh, I'm happy because you've got about. Well, I'm not happy. I'm starting to cheer up a little bit. Yep. Fair enough. Oh, a little bit of a vibrate. Phones on the silent, please, guys. Um, Adam Pendlebury, how are we doing? Um, I'm okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm getting getting through it. Um, I've, I've turned to. Uh, I'm having a merlot tonight. So um, I'm enjoying it. I had a nice steak meal. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. Belting. And Barry looks like he's frozen, so he's obviously doing something else. Um, but Barry, how are we doing? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely despondent the way what's happened, but um, I'm sure we'll cover all that in a few moments. Yeah, well... What we'll do is we'll just have um I know we've two games to cover, but we'll just cover the one that's made the um the difference really. Um off the back of a, a late draw down at uh Charlton. We played Fulham at home uh, yesterday afternoon or yesterday evening, Wednesday, the twenty second of July. Um in a game that was pretty much win or you get relegated for, for the Latics. Um against a very strong Fulham side who um, at times had the chance to be uh, automatically promoted to the Premier League. Um, so it, it, it stood in good stead for them to be playing out the game. But the game finished Wigan Athletic 1, Fulham 1. Um, and despite the best efforts of the players, the hopes of survival obviously now rest in the hands of um, an appeal. Uh, you cannot fault the players yesterday for their for their performance. That they gave it their all. Um, you'd like to think if things were maybe had been a bit different for Fulham, the result may have gone our way. We had the chances to win the game, but it was just one game too far, Barry. It, well, I, I'm not sure if it was. I, I, I thought we deserved to have won the game. Uh, we all know the incidents. I uh, want us. That was a free kick to Fulham and, and not a free kick to the Lattice. And to think Joe Williams got boots as well. Fulham player, player had his, his foot in his flight. Like, if anything, it should have gone our way. Uh, terrible decision. Absolutely terrible. The the goal disallowed, it was borderline offside. You know, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. Uh, Keith Moore could have had a penalty. Um, uh, and we had, like Cookie said afterwards, we had the chances. It just didn't fall for us. Uh, just so frustrating. But how proud are we of what the players did last night, but in the past few weeks as, again as well? And every single one of them stepped up. Absolute well, legends and heroes. Every single one of them players. Fantastic. I think that's the big thing to take away that, you know, they are legends and heroes. And we're proud to have every single one of them pull on the, the blue and white of Wigan. Um, whether they'll still be here next season or, or not. 
each of them to a man, those who've been here for a long time, those who've been here for six months, they've done us all all proud. Um, just while we're um, just getting into the intros, we are fielding questions from uh, YouTube. So if you've got a question on YouTube, drop uh, young Adam a comment. He'll, uh, he'll read them out. And, you know, if you've got a question for returning guest, Kev, who's back, or one of the podcast team, do let us know. We're also taking questions via YouTube as well. Adam, have you got something you'd like to say? Uh, I'll just, just concur with what Barry said, really. Um, I thought last night was one of our strongest performances of the season. It just didn't have the luck, really. Playing against the side, you've got a realistic chance of being in the Premier League last year. And after the first 10 minutes, we dominated the game, really. You know, we, yeah. we played some really good football. Um, and those players have been an ab absolute credit to the club over the last um, few weeks. Uh, they can hold their heads up high. Um, for me, they'll always be legends as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. That, that's, um, I think everyone echoes those uh, sentiments. Kev, I want to come to you first because, um, first and foremost, you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Yeah. Which is, is quite interesting in itself, not just the fact that you're a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but what's what's going on at Sheffield Wednesday. So um what what is going on at Sheffield Wednesday if people aren't fully aware and what are potential problems that they could face? Yeah, so thanks, Si. So yeah, thanks for having me on again. Good good to join you all and sorry about yesterday. Um partic particularly I'm a big cookie fan. Um my dad's a Chesterfield season ticket holder and they're kind of my second team and I've watched them a lot under Paul Cook and they were, you know, he's a tremendous manager and people like Sam Morsey, et cetera, you know, top players. So um, I hope you, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit later with the appeal, et cetera, but um, it was a bit of a roller coaster last night. <clears throat> From a Wednesday perspective, uh, obviously we got done by Fulham at the weekend, so they are a good side and sounds like you're putting a good show in. Um, I don't know why it wasn't on Sky. I was hoping it was going to be, <laughs> but um, I don't know why West Brom was on instead. That seemed a bit mad to me, but um, the Brentford-Barnsley game was obviously unfortunate for you guys. Um, quite the game in the end. As for Wednesday off the pitch, <clears throat> on the pitch we've been dreadful really since lockdown, since the return after lockdown, uh, COVID. Um, we've been sliding down further down the table, obviously since you guys beat us at the DW, was it February time? Um it's just been a kind of a, a never-ending slide down towards the bottom of the league, really. And we're now only, I think we, we finished seven points above the drop, which is obviously a problem because we're still facing this um, FFP, basically, charge from the EFL in relation to the sale of Hillsborough, which I've got in the background behind me from the uh, playoff semi-final against Brighton four years ago now. Time flies. Um, so what's essentially happened is our chairman to try and balance the books when we pretty much overspent during those two years when we got to the playoff final and the semi-final the year after, um, used a, it's probably not fair to call it a loophole because it's actually in the regulations, but whereby you essentially sell the stadium, your stadium to yourself um, for what is supposed to be a fair value given it's not a market, um, uh, sort of an arm's length transaction. And the, the allegation is that we did that outside of what was allowed. So both in terms of what the, what the value we gave to the stadium and to the land and also the timing of it, 
So apparently when it was registered, the land registry flagged up to the AFL that we didn't do it as we should have done. Um, but unfortunately for the AFL and for us in a way, the, the whole case at the moment seems to turn on whether or not the previous regime of the AFL when Sean Harvey was there, whether or not they sort of pre-authorised it really in that sense and therefore we we relied on representations that were made by the EFL. Um, <clears throat> this has been going I think it's eight months now um, and there were charges brought against the directors as well but subsequently dropped. My understanding is that the, the, the hearing took place in front of the first instance disciplinary tribunal um, and then it's all been rumoured since then nobody knows for sure what the outcome is. And there's various rumours going around online, um, but obviously Derby County are in the same situation, but they're unlikely to get the sort of points deduction that would get them into the relegation zone, whereas we are squarely within that situation now. What's the um, the rumoured uh, points deduction for yourselves in Derby? Um, anything from probably a minimum of nine up to well up, up, up to twenty one for an aggravated right. breach, but probably more likely somewhere between 9 and 15, I would say. Okay, so um, nine points, if you were to lose them, obviously that would put you in the same position as that we're in, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and obviously 15 would make things obviously more worse. So obviously you'll be watching um, what goes on with that. Is there a decision due anytime soon? Eight months is a long time. Um, for this to be going on and it doesn't seem like it's getting any closer from a, an outsider looking in yeah I'm fortunate that the process isn't hugely transparent but as as I've said many times to people this is a this is a system that the clubs have decided themselves ultimately um, so <laughs> it's all well and good Sheffield Wednesday themselves and other clubs affected I mean I think Barnsley in particular have been quite vocal up until last night of course about the fact that it's taken so long, but it is an independent process. I have sat on recently EFL disciplinary panels. So I did the Stevenage one recently about when they were uh, about fielding an ineligible player. And it can be done quite swiftly if, the, yeah. if you know, if it depending on the complexity of it. But ultimately, it's not down to the EFL how long it takes. It's down to the disciplinary panel. They, they run the process. They decide the timetable. Um, and clubs can find various ways to try and delay the process. But I don't think it's in either party's interest to delay. I mean, the fact that the FL has the Sheffield Wednesday Derby and the Wigan appeal pending is a nightmare for them. Yeah. Especially given the tight turnaround in the seasons. Well, that's it. And that's, that's one thing I want to ask you, because obviously Wigan's appeal, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, is due to be heard on the 31st of July. Um, can... Do, do you think Wigan fans will get uh, an answer on the 31st of July or will that rumble on for a bit of time as well? Well, it seems as though the reason we don't have the judgment in the Sheffield Wednesday case is because it was always likely that whatever happened, the other party were going to appeal it because it's a bit of a, 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 a sort of a flag in the, you know, flag in the ground situation for EFL. If they lose this, then it really puts the sort of FFP system in the championship under great sort of scrutiny. Um, so, but as far as I'm aware, there is no um, 
apart from the appeal, which is what you're making, there's nothing further from that. So really, it should it should happen fairly quickly after that, because obviously it's an automatic deduction, and then it goes automatically to an arbitration panel, which is the appeals, the normal appeals panel. So um, it it should really be done quite quickly in that sense. That's great. Barry, I'm going to come to you. So could you just provide listeners, if they're not fully up to speed, of um, uh, probably a timeline of events from this week, really, and what's been going on? And I'll put you on the spot there, but um, you weren't paying attention in class then, so I'm going to come to you. Um, If you could just get get people up to speed on what has been going on uh, this week and and what we've got coming in the next uh, week or so. Yeah, uh... Well, this week we've had uh, we've had a press conference, haven't we, from the administrators? Um, they've said that they've selected a preferred bidder. Uh, the strong rumours are that uh, there's been a um, a meeting today. Yeah, the, it was high noon. The preferred bidder had to sign the letter today to of acceptance and provide hundred thousand uh, pound into an account uh, to show that they're serious. Um, the strong rumour is that. This has been done, um, so it's not been. They haven't been named yet. I mean, there's a lot of, well, not a lot of names. There's two or three names banding about who it could be. I mean, we could say them, couldn't we? Uh, which we will do. Is it the Dell Corporation, not the computer people, but the American, uh, some American uh, consortium? Uh, Marwan Kukash is another name that was banded about. Uh, Dave A. Thornthwaite from um, filed, filed AFC file was banded about as well but that's been confirmed not to be true by the guy himself so uh, toss a coin and, and pick between the Americans and uh, the Rainford guy <laughs> so possibly one of them so uh, we're just waiting for confirmation to find out who it is uh, that's about it really so we're just as much in the dark as we were last week, apart from the fact that they picked a preferred bidder. And we sold Jensen Weir, confirmed. Today, that um, wasn't it? We've accepted a bid for Kiefer Moore at £2 million, so um, that should take care of the bills at the end of the month. OK, thanks, Barry. So that's getting us um, back into the frame of what's going on. Uh, I will say, if you are watching on YouTube, um, drop us a question in. You can drop us a questions on Twitter as well. Um, if you're following the Progress for Unity podcast or one of these guys, then do ask a question. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to come to older Adam now. Adam, uh, what's what's your views on what's going on and um, what's how things are going to play out now from now on in? Well, I mean... Obviously, obviously, the uh, the appeal is is everything to us now. In my, in my view, our championship future hangs on the uh, appeal. Um, it was Sheffield Wednesday may well get a points deduction. I'd be absolutely amazed if if Derby get a seventeen point deduction. So a Sheffield Wednesday deduction would just simply mean that um, you know a, a different side will join. Uh, ourselves and Hull in League One next season. So I, th- I think really all our eggs now are in our appeal basket, in in my view. Um, that inherent uncertainty is obviously difficult at the moment because 
again, we're not going to know what that that budget is. Um, obviously, there's bills that need paying, so you know players are going to be sold, you know, to to pay those bills. Um, you know, it, even in the next week, you know, before the appeal, you can see that sort of um, materialising. Um, just just why you've got me on as well. We had a um, which is probably more for Kevin, really. We had a we had a question from um, the very obviously well known Nick Nick Taylor, who had a question uh, for Kevin. Is um, is it as black and white as the uh, sort of twelve point deduction or no twelve point deduction in an appeal like this, or could it be broken down? Um, six this season, six next season, or could there be a, a, a reduction in the uh, points deduction? Uh, is, is there any discretion or is it is it all or nothing in, uh, on your understanding of the process, Kevin? Yeah, no, uh, my, my understanding of it is, and it, it's also true of um, most sort of appeal processes under the EFL that, it's a it's a full sort of rehearing in terms of the sanction side, and of course you're having all the evidence heard, and they have to do an independent financial review as such within this 21 day period. So, uh, regulation 12.3.18 says they can confirm the deduction, set it aside, and substitute a lower number of points, or order that there's no sanction. So, it doesn't say it could be split over seasons, and I think that's unlikely. Uh, it would apply to this season, but yeah, they can. They have the full range when it comes to either naught to twelve points, essentially. Are you aware of any precedent on that, Kev, in terms of um, sort of reducing points deductions, or, or does it does it tend to be sort of uh, impeal in its entirety? You know, where it's a kind of all or nothing. As far as I'm aware, I don't think there has ever been a an appeal against this sort of. Um, sanction on the base of the force majeure issue so um because of course all the all the previous loopholes in the rules that people like leicester city took advantage of and that's why we have this regime in the first place um have, have all been fairly cut and dried you know you're in administration and that's it whereas this is this is unique and this is where the regulations are interesting because can you separate a club from its owner in terms of the behaviour, or is is the mind of the owner instantly attributed to the club? And I'm sure the the, the QC um, who you met, David Phillips, is that right? QC. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, David Phillips. I'm sure that'll be the kind of argument he'll be making under um, company law, principally. So, in your just just my my final question, Kev, on 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 that. So, in 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 your view, then. There's no way that that Wigan can run, um, obviously, a COVID argument because from the, if if you treat the owners as the ones who made that decision to put us into administration, because clearly when when they took over the club, there was already a COVID in place. So in, yeah. in other words, we we have to say that it was unforeseeable for the club that an owner would come in and do what he do what he did, you know, basically put us into administration within a month for whatever reason that might be. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't think um, I don't think the the word of the regulations squarely fits that. So it's going to take a, a, a creative interpretation of what the, the rule, the regulation actually says. Um, but that's not to say it's without merit. I mean, because it's unprecedented. We've had 
you know, football clubs, many football clubs have had what you might say is fraudulent owners who had no money. But it, it doesn't necessarily seem as though, well, we don't know, do we? We don't, unless you guys have known more than I do. There's nothing public at the moment that anybody's been able to truly get to the bottom of what seems to have happened. There's lots of rumour out there, but nothing concrete, so... That, yeah, that's 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 my question in interrogation of Kevin Dunn for now. So uh, cross, back to you, Guy. Is it cross-examining in the legal world? You done your, your cross-examination. <laughs> I I have got a lamp on here, which is very much like a police cross-examination <laughs> lamp. So it does feel that way. I, I must admit, you know, we're very fortunate to to have you, uh, Kev, here. Um, I just want to have, ask if you heard of or had any dealings with the QC that we have. Uh, appointed for the appeal, um, I believe he's very well known in the in the field. Yeah, I, I, I believe that, and this is my memory to play. But I think I was telling Adam yesterday that I, I think he was a chair of a, an anti-doping panel where I represent an athlete for it, and um, he came across as obviously you don't get to QC without being extremely bright. But he was very fair, very. And thorough, very yeah, it was very impressive. You, you don't say that about every QC you meet, to be honest. Some are uh, not particularly um, personable, or you, you know, some are, have hung on to it a long time. But he, he he seemed extremely sharp, and I know he works. He does lots of different sports cases, and also works in different jurisdictions. So he's um, he's one of the best, definitely. Yeah, I'm just gonna pass back to uh, to older Adam. Um, I'm just gonna say good evening, Nathan Sinclair, watching out on the. Uh, on YouTube, he was due to join us tonight, but he said he'd end up raging, so he's uh, he's having a night off, and he will be back with us in the near future. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Si, and don't worry, I'll I'll disappear after this, so I don't hey, keep don't asking questions. It's just something that came to mind when when he was talking about sort of the composition of a panel. Um, so just because a lot of people won't know this, Kev, could could you talk about how it kind of works in terms of? Um, sort of the appeal panel, who it's likely to be composed of, are they all are they all lawyers or is there a mixture of lawyers and sports experts? So it's what's called, they call it a league arbitration panel, so that you nominate, the club will nominate someone to sit as one of the three arbitrators, the EFL will pick someone and then the um, it's normally sport resolutions, who are the kind of... Um, secretary they're, they're the administrators for the panel on behalf of the efl to make sure it's independent uh, and then they will choose a chair who will be a very i would imagine for a case such as this given how important it is um it'll be a very very senior qc i would have thought um and then there will be a hearing i, th I think all the hearings are still being done by uh, video conference at the moment so it'll be a Zoom call like this one, <laughs> strangely enough. Um, and I, when I sat on the Stevenage panel recently, they, they can be very long days, sat on these seven, eight-hour days hearing evidence. It, it would seem to me that, you know, in the regulations, which is unique to these insolvency-type cases, it says that the, um, the EFL will have instructed a firm of independent accountants to look at the situation to do a forensic review um that might be quite difficult to do within 21 days um before the hearing is supposed to be finished by um and obviously of course wigan will put forward their own report of what's happened and the individuals and who's been directing the issue 
Um, and then there's the issue of who, who are you going to get to give evidence? I mean, it seems as though from what the administrators have said that the, the old owners and the new owners have not really been very, very open about having any sort of engagement with them, which is going to be problematic for any sort of hearing. Um, and obviously they don't, I mean, in terms of, am I right in thinking that there are a lot of loans involved in this deal that are, that are due for repayment at some point? So you would, you would think they have some incentive to actually give evidence, but whether they will or not, um, they're based in Hong Kong. The EFL can't force them and neither can Wigan. Um, they can apply under the law to ask them to give evidence. But again, you're trying to enforce that in Hong Kong or wherever they're based. It's, uh, that's going to be pretty difficult. Just got um, a, a question come in um, just from Pete Reese on YouTube just before we move on. I think he might have missed it. Um, but just to recap what you said, Kev. Um, just if you can clarify our situa situation regarding a potential transfer embargo, which was mentioned by Gerald Krasner yesterday. Of course, yeah. I I must admit, when when I was told about that, I, I kind of thought, well, that's an odd... That would be an odd thing for the EFL to do because ultimately, I mean, the last thing they want is for Wigan to go out of business and they need to be able to trade themselves out of trouble, financial trouble, presumably, until a new buyer is found. So it would make no sense for them to put them under a transfer embargo the, the only part of the regulations to me that seem that could have any relevance is about the the non-payment of players. And I know that some of the players took a, I think they took a deferral from, is it June's wages paid in arrears? Um, so it could be pinned on that, but I, I, I have to think that's probably not quite correct from the administrator. It, it wouldn't make sense for the league as an organisation or for its, or for the, you know, for the going concern of the club to do that. It's, yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul, we're going to come to you. You've been sat patiently in your uh, in your office. Yeah, I, I, I still think there's a lot of questions to be answered around the, the nature of going into administration. Um, and the administrators themselves raised a lot of things around that in terms of what we owe and who we owe. Um, it, it, you know, they, they, they walked in the door and said, it's not right, this. why are we even here? Um, so for me, there's clearly, there's something afoot. Um, I, and I know for, given that we've got lawyers on, you don't, for legal reasons, suggest that there are untoward goings on. But if I were a betting man, I would bet my house on the fact that something untoward comes out. Um, it, it's all just far too strange and, and not, you know, we, we're, we're going through the process in this country at the moment. Um, the directors in this country had no idea. The bloke takes over and puts you straight into administration and we don't have a reason as to why that makes sense. And that, that, for me, just, what's going on? Something's not right somewhere, is it? Um, yeah, I, I mean, as for the AFL, I've been sitting around here all day. I mean, it's, I, I posted a thing this morning, so it's like, it's like a parent 
who's responsible for looking after their children, um, allowing a babysitter to have custody of the child for a while. The babysitter does something to the child, so the parent blames blames the child. The EFL approved our buyer, who then screws the club over. So the EFL punished the club. I mean, that just it's just not right. Um, yeah, I could sit here all night and <laughs> complain and moan. Well, before you do that, we're going to bring in uh, Mr. Worthington. Um, Barry, anything you'd like to add in? Well, I'd like to ask, ask Kev, um, where did he get this cost from for of half a million quid for the appeal? That that does seem quite a lot, even for a high-ranking QC who'll be working and his team will be working night and day probably to get this ready. Um, I, I do think where that where that might have come from is the last regulation in this section about the administration says any costs incurred by any party in proceedings brought by an appeal like this shall be met by the club it doesn't say it's shared it doesn't say it depends on what the outcome is and it says that that amount is then considered as a sum due to the league so um, Wigan will incur all the costs of the entire process. So the costs of the panel, the costs of the EFL, and their own costs, regardless of whether they're successful or not, that's the way it reads to me. And it's highly unusual. So that's where you might get to the half a million pound figure, potentially. Um, both sides instructing QCs and junior barristers, plus solicitors, plus uh, forensic accountants, you can easily get up to you know, half a million quite easily, if that's the case. Yeah, and, and just going back to something you said uh, before, like when you mentioned Leicester, originally um, the penalty point came in to stop unscrupulous owners from putting clubs into administration, wiping the debt off, starting a new company, but remaining the same owners. Surely that, that particular, particular uh, section of this, this uh, penalty clause has been written wrong. If there's no protection there for, for the clubs that suffer a consequence like we have, where, as you go back to Leicester City, didn't they have the same owners for about four years and put, put them into administration multiple times and even went uh, got promoted one season, didn't they, in administration? And I, I remember right, yeah. Yeah, all the leagues were kicking off about it. So that's why they brought this in, to stop. So there was no, no advantage to doing it apart from the financial one. Uh, yeah. So obviously, we've not gone into administration for any sort of uh, advantage, or, or you know, in the season, seasonal advantage. It's not going to get us into the playoffs, or or, or it's strengthening our arm to, to, to you know to put a uh, um, to have a go next season. It was simply the owner had decided to pull the plug and walk away, or or you know do some sort of sting or a con or whatever it is that they're up to, which is going to come out, no doubt. Um, is that, what I'm saying to you, is that is that rule, do you think that rule itself needs to be looked at to stop, uh, to protect the clubs a little bit more? Not protect the owners, but to protect the clubs, to protect the fans. Yeah, I, I agree, Baron. I think one of the arguments they will make and one of the things you always do is you, you say, what is it? What was the intention of this regulation? 
when it was drafted and when it came in, why, why is it there? And they'll try and get the panel who are there to, to kind of step away from the words on the paper. That's what you're trying to do. And, you know, in Wigan's favour, the force majeure description is quite broadly drafted in that sense. But actually, it doesn't separate the owner from the club. Because if, if you think about it, the EFL regulations are there to protect each club against every other club in the league and in the EFL. So it, it's quite a contentious issue if they were to then allow a rogue owner, a club to sort of separate itself from a rogue owner. Um, I mean, I'm sympathetic to it as a, as a fan, um, but as a lawyer, that's going to be a difficult discussion um, in terms of rewriting it. Yeah, I think as not what's the case normally, as Leicester showed, is that until some clever lawyer slash accountant says, oh, it doesn't appear to cover this particular situation, let's, you know, let's use it. Or the EFL go to the regulations and look and go, oh, it doesn't seem to, we don't seem to have thought about this in advance. Um, it's only, that's only when things get changed, is only afterwards, but that won't help you in this situation, sadly. No. No, and uh, before you go, well, before I go, uh, <laughs> just an opinion, opinion uh, of mine, this, that uh, one of the consequences, obviously, of us winning an, an appeal would mm. be that it would have a knock-on effect to Barnsley. Um, yeah. We've seen this season League One run with an odd number of clubs. Do yeah. you think it could be plausible for that to happen again? And instead of a 24-club championship, we could go with a 25-club championship? And have four relegation spots next season. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, not one I thought of, but yeah, there is precedent for that. Um, and I think, I mean, Barnsley would try their best to go to the, the ordinary courts, not the sort of sporting tribunals to try and get that done. And that is happening. I mean, Scottish football's having this situation, French football's having this situation. So it's not without some sort of merit. Um so that, that could be one of the arguments that it wouldn't be your first argument if you were uh, David Phillips and his team, but you would say, well, in any event, this should be, you know, because of the short time frame, we don't want to, you know, it to be Barnsley done unfairly. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, what about a 25 team championship? And that's quite a neat solution, really. Um, I mean, I thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, I mean, the, the trouble is, is that, the EFL and the FA have already got all on trying to ballot, get the leagues back evened up and figure out. Obviously, it was difficult. It was going to be relatively simple before COVID came along. But I think there's been all this discussion about regionalising leagues and, you know, because of the financial impact of what's going on. Um, it's not to say that League One will start, you know, in September or August, because the latest thing is that the clubs are pushing back on having to pay for COVID tests, which they can't afford if there's no fans. Mm. So you, you might not see Leeds 1 and 2 starting until later in the year, potentially. It could get very messy <laughs> on that side. Uh, thanks, Kev. Thanks. Thanks, Kev. Um, I'm just going to jump in now and just mention the Supporters Club, who um, I've got a petition off the ground into the review, the need for a statutory owners and directors test in football. It reached 10,000 signatures within 24 hours yesterday and is now up to 100 
12,000. Uh, that's what we're aiming for now. We're at 12,170 at the time of recording. Uh, if we get to 100,000 signatures, this petition will be considered for debate in Parliament. So I could ask if everyone could just share the tweet or the link with their friends and friends and friends to get that petition signed because we don't want another club like ourselves, Bolton, Berry, you know, potentially having to go through um, similar situations. Uh, Kev, you're going to be very, very busy tonight. Oh, Barry, Barry wants to come back in. Go, on, Barry. Yeah, ju just on that, Simon. I mean, what, one thing uh, that I did for anybody who's, who's feeling up to doing this, I had a look on the petition, and, and it's broken down into political constituencies throughout the United Kingdom. And I, I looked at the constituencies that hadn't voted, because it tells you who's, uh, you know, how many people from a particular constituency has voted in the petition or signed the petition. And I had a look, look at the areas where people hadn't. Uh, and I tagged clubs in from there, like Kirkcaldy in Scotland. I tagged uh, Ray Rovers in. Uh, I did the same for Queen of the South in Dumfries, Berwick Rangers. Uh, I have friends who live in Argyle, uh, so I, I did that. Lo and behold, uh, I checked later on that, that evening, and we got signatories from, from those areas. And so obviously, you know, if you're tagging friends or other clubs in uh, into that petition, it, it, it could just work and get us a few extra extra ones to get us over the line. Good stuff. Um, Kev, I feel, you know, I'm glad we're not paying you £500,000 every time you come on because we would well and truly be, uh, be bankrupt. All the questions seem to be coming your way tonight. Um, okay. So um, thank you once again for, for coming on. Uh, David Warrington has asked, what does the fit and proper person test consist of? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so th this is something I wrote about um, because after the last live pod, I did pen this piece over the weekend about my kind of um, views on the current state of ownership regulation. And it, and um, I'm all in favour of the petition and I, I will sign it myself, of course. Um, but, but the government and particularly the Department for Culture, Media and Sport, the committee, the sort of House of Commons committee, have, have had several reports into football governance and said they want to see a more robust owners and directors test. W what the owners and directors test isn't is it doesn't look at the, the particularly the broader character of an individual. So it only looks at very narrow, um, what we call objective criteria. So there's no kind of moral judgment about an owner. It's just, do you fit these very narrow criteria? And they're all related towards criminal convictions, um, insolvency of football clubs. So it doesn't talk about insolvency of businesses generally. You don't even have to turn up in person and show yourself to the FL. You just have to submit documents. Um, and, and again, this is because the clubs who, who ultimately vote on the rules and regulations didn't don't want a test like that. Because if you think about, and I think this is particularly relevant for the championship more than anything else. If you think about most of the owners in the championship now, a lot of them are wealthy individuals, either based here or abroad. And they would not want to invest in the football league clubs if they thought that their back history was going to be forensically looked into. So that would deter them from taking over. 
then you've got to say to fans, well, we're going to block out a load of wealthy people who want to take over your football club and maybe get you to the Premier League. Um, now, until you've been in a situation like Wigan are now, and to a far lesser extent, Sheffield Wednesday face this charge now, which could relegate them, you don't think about that kind of thing. You don't think about the greater good of football. <clears throat> but certainly, and the owners and directors test applies not just in the football league, but also in the Premier League, of course. And anybody who's been following the Newcastle Saudi Arabia saga, that adds more weight to the fact that it needs, that there is a desire from the broader stakeholders, particularly fans, but other stakeholders as well in football, to have a much broader test under the owners and directors. The only thing I'd like to say at this point is it focuses only on individual people. So it doesn't look at the companies. It doesn't look at the structure. It's literally that individual person. Um, so that's where the real big difference comes between the owners and directors tests and then things like financial fair play um, and other financial um, requirements under the regulations, which are looking at the club itself. But owners and directors is just about that particular person itself. Hope that answers the question. I've done the muted thing. I've done the muted thing. Um, yeah, no, I'm sure Dave will be um, uh, appreciated. Do you want to plug what you've written? Have you written the piece? Is it, is it on, online for people to read at all? It is, yeah. It's, it's on my it's on the website for my consultancy business and it's free to read. There's no paywall or anything. So I'll um, I'll send that out afterwards and people can take a look. It, it essentially, the, the reason behind it was when I was preparing for the last pod, it was really sort of consolidating all the things I'd read into one place and to get people up to speed with what the government have been saying and um, what sort of, you know, there was a big report into Berry as well, which, you know, again, people aren't very interested in sort of big reports, but that's that's my day job. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, unfortunately, no, that's... that's my bedtime reading, but hopefully I've sort of distilled it into a, a readable format. And um, I've also put some of my own thoughts at the end, which people can um, feel free to agree or disagree and, you know, let me know up, their thoughts. Open up a bit of debate, which is good. Unfortunately, Kev, or fortunately, the questions keep coming for you, so you might need a bit more of that water. But like I say, I think it's a unique opportunity to have someone like yourself um, yeah. uh, to talk to. Obviously, Adam wants to get back in on the act in a minute. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to him in a moment. But Neil Sherratt on Twitter uh, has asked, not sure if the question has shown up in chat, but do the EFL have to confirm to the club any penalty in writing before the conclusion of the playoff final, i.e. the end of the season. If they did not do this, could we apply for an, any deductions to come off next season so we remain a championship club? I, I, I haven't read anything in the regulations or know of anything that says it has to be the case. I'm happy to be told that there is something in there that says that, but no, I don't, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. There's some, there's some good questions coming in and, uh, you know, I think things that a lot of people are thinking different different things and it, it's nice to be able to get these questions either answered or mm. open up a, a further debate. We're going to um, go over to young Adam. He's, he's been sat there working behind the scenes for us for, for quite a while. I know we've had quite a few questions on YouTube, Adam. I think one's just literally come in as well. Um, have you seen um, anything there that we may, may want to ask the panel or ask Kev? 
Um, well, there was one from Kenny. I think it was touching on the fact that, you know, the 12-point deduction being f- to stop clubs to have an advantage, obviously. Where is the advantage in this situation? I think we covered that and um, quite well. Uh, Ian Hammond has pointed out the fact that we're going ahead with these legal proceedings and the costs that come with that. We must be confident of uh, the case being successful. Um, there was a question for Kev, unsurprisingly. Um, he said, Are Young's lawyers tried to liquidate the club, but the administrators persuaded them not to? Not sure how, but could this form part of the club's defence? Well, it, it could form part of the defence, but I don't think that would be a particularly strong argument. I, I don't think it would be particularly in the interest of the owners to liquidate compared to trying to get some money back, especially if they're owed money as well or the, the new owners or whoever the owners happen to be when it all comes out in the wash. Um, it, it's normally, you, you normally have to go through a procedure whereby you go into administration before liquidation because the company has to be, it'll be shown it's not a going concern purely on the basis. And it's very unusual again, that there's no real creditors or there wasn't to the point it was put into administration. It was just the fact that the, the new owner said, I'm not putting any more money in. So, you, it's not going to be able to meet its liabilities by the end of the month. Um, so, no, I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, liquidation is always a last, yeah. uh, a sort of a last case scenario. I think that could still be speculation in terms of that's exactly what happened. I think there's, there's rumours that they did try and liquidate the club, but again, right. as you say, um, I don't think that's actually confirmed. Okay. Um Rob Walker's asked, how much money do we need to generate from player sales? As most are paid with only proportion up front, could this mean us selling everyone? I think, Barry, you'd you'd heard it was around the two million mark. I don't know if the administrators have, have come out publicly and said anything about that. Um, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ad- well, no, it wasn't said publicly. It, I was stood on the street, if that's public. Uh, it's public enough, isn't it? Pub- yeah, public yeah. place. And it was one of the administrators who said it to me. They got to find two million by the end of the month, um, and uh, without you know breaking our confidences today on Paul Kendrick's Twitter account, he's said that we've accepted a bid for Kiefer Moore for two million. So that'd cover it, wouldn't it? I think the Jensen Weir stuff is to pay for the appeal. <laughs> yeah, who's the healthy device stuff for? Well, there you go. Kev's fees this uh, afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all there is at the minute, Simon. I think. No worries. Well, we'll come back to you. Keep up the good work in the in the background. I'll try my best. Um, before I go to Older Adam, I I want a bit of feedback from you guys watching on YouTube and on um, whether you can leave us a comment on YouTube or leave us a comment on Twitter. Do you like the format of these podcasts? Where, where you know it's a bit more interactive because obviously we're used to sitting be in in a, in a studio recording um what what do people think of this barry i, I, I don't, i've just put this out there now but what, what are your thoughts on this do you, do you like this this new way of working that we're trying um i, I like the fact that it's interactive with uh, people who are listening uh but i'd sooner be face to face because uh you know uh i'm missing the company <laughs> well but i think i think the people... social interaction and the you know so uh, maybe once we get back in the studio, uh, we could still record like this, and uh, you yeah, know, we yeah. could find all the ads, But uh, <laughs> to the wider world, we'd, we'd look like we were, you know, in separate locations. 
Well, I see we could have, we could have a camera in there, couldn't we, and, re- and record live because we've we've got the um, we've got the facilities to do that. But it's it's a good way of you know getting like Kevin. Um, he's not going to travel over from Sheffield every week. Um, as things stands as well, we we might not hear from Kev next season. Um, you know, we've been very very fortunate this year uh, to have you on, Kev. I know um, a certain friend of yours wants to to jump back in. He's he's done very well to. So not unmute his mic and jump in. So um, let's go back to um, Mr. Pendlebury, if you'd like to, to come in with your question for, for Kev. Yeah, first thing is um, I, I do like this format site. Uh, I think it's good to be interactive, but there's nothing better than being sat in a studio with Barry sharing a nice whiskey. So uh, I, su- I suppose the only problem is if we, when we do get back in the studio, if we do something live like this, we can't have the uh, rustling of sweets and um, phones interrupting in the, the recordings. But it's something to look at, definitely. After yeah. Tech man sorted. Uh, well, we know that that was a very, that's a good. What, just bring Barry back in just to tell us what whiskey he's drinking at the moment. Uh, a uh, a Pendering single malt Welsh whiskey. Uh, Madeira finish, uh, beautiful, very subtle, and it comes in at about uh, 40, about 45%. It's very nice, though. You wouldn't think so. It was a good recommendation, and Barry spotted it, and we got it cheap on Amazon, didn't we? So thanks for that, Barry. Anyway, let's get back to the serious business. (laughs) This is a more general question. It's because I know about where Kev's expertise lies. <clears throat> so obviously, we, we've seen the Rick Parry interview about the, the bet um, and rumours of all kinds of stuff going on in the Philippines, etc., etc. I just want Kevin's view on these type of things, betting and integrity, and particularly looking at the Far East, um, Obviously, this would be the biggest, probably the biggest scandal in football history. But would it be a massive surprise to Kevin if, if, if there was something like this? And obviously, we're not, we're not saying there is anything like this. But is the potential that something like this could happen? Yeah. So I think it's fair to say that, um, in terms of the betting and gambling side, you know. It, it is um, a, a for a lot of people that's where the serious gamblers are is in the in the Far East in particular when it comes to football anyway um, and as you say I do work that's kind of my very narrow specialism is the uh, better integrity and match fixing type stuff so n- nothing would surprise me and I know that the former owners were involved in the casino or entertainment business at least so I think that's probably where these kind of rumors get more fuel to the fire. Um, I did run it past some colleagues and mentioned it, and even they said that seems so incredibly far-fetched <laughs> um, as, as to have much merit to it. Um, but unfortunately, in the world of sort of integrity and et cetera, nothing shocks me anymore in the sports world. Um, you know, the, we've seen, and this is not nothing to do with Wigan, strictly speaking, but you know, the, the way in which people who are trying to corrupt sport have been able to adapt their modus operandi during COVID has been incredible. You know, the, the guys I work with have never been busier than they are than they have been during this period. Um, so there's always somebody looking to make a, a quick book out of sport 
which is obviously and we this is, comes back to the governance side that you know it's a structurally weak industry in terms of governance ultimately that's that sport it always has been it's behind the curve compared to most other industries so um yeah there's, pl there's plenty of people in there and who are looking to um to make some money in the not the nicest way I don't know whether Adam knows he's on. I mute. think he, I think he's done. Has he done after after one question? Is is that that might be a, a miracle? A world you know record what? that. You know what? I, Kev? I, while he's hold on, hold on, Kev. Oh, he's back. Here we are. I've finished. No further questions. No further questions. <laughs> All right, Kev. <laughs> we're going to give you a minute just to uh, have a drink and uh, give your voice box a rest. Yeah, uh, I might recharge my glass. <laughs> um, David Warrington said, uh, "Great work, guys, and thanks again, Kev, for your your response." His uh, question was around the uh, fit and proper persons test. Um, right, guys, watching uh, live, we're going to do our player of the year um, poll. All I want you to do is send in, uh, type in the comments on YouTube or message us on Twitter. Just let us know who your uh, Wigan Athletic player of the year is. Now, I know we could go for every single one of the players, but we're just after the one, one player that stood out for you this season. Question for the podcast team. What do you want to see from our new owners? Would we be happy to see something like Ian Lennigan's consortium take over the club and for us to remain stable, even if that were in League One? Great listen, guys. Thorpe, we'll come to you first. Um, I, I think the answer has to be yes. I, I mean, we've been threatened with the very existence of the club. Um and I think all any football fan wants to do is watch their team and feel that their team has a chance of competing. Um, and I think having watched us get into this division, go out of this division three times, uh, three times, um, but oh, oh, relegated twice, rebuild twice, and now actually be feeling like rather than taking one step forward, two steps back, we're actually in a position where we can move forward to have that pulled from under us, it's gutting. Um, so, yeah, I think just to put some stability back, it, it would be enough at the moment. That's a great answer. Uh, Barry, I'm going to come to you with this one. Uh, it's a second question from Forever WAFC on Twitter, um, saying, is it time we ended the bitterness with the rugby club and attempted... Not quite sure how other than through free tickets for kids, etc., to get those kids who support Liverpool, Man United, etc., to support Latics. Nothing beats live football. Nothing beats live football, indeed. Uh, whatever my answer to the rugby question is, it's, it's going to upset 50% of the people, isn't it? That's why I've come but, to you. Yeah, speaking personally, it, it, yeah, it is. To, I was around in the 80s and Boris Lindsay and, and you know, all, all that condescending uh, stuff he, he said and uh, I've had my nose rubbed in it quite a few times working in the fire service uh, where 95% of the uh, firefighters at that time were rugby supporters it was hard being a Latics fan but yeah it is time it is time that was 30 years ago let's move on uh, and let's move on together uh, how do we get the kids back I think that's been been a question that the club's been trying to answer for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, it started in the Premier League. We saw uh, the kids getting involved a lot more. 
Um, just keep banging on, banging the club, the club in the uh, in, in in the public in the public site, and and, and the, doing what they do. I don't think they can do any more, really. The fantastic community uh, side of things, they work tremendously hard, uh, and it's just up to dads, granddads, mums, and grandmas to take the, the kids along to the lassics with them when they go. Adam. Yeah, just on the the first question that you asked about the ownership. I mean, if we start, if we're back in League One, then what will be will be. But what I would like is the biggest thing for me is that somehow, and I know this might be difficult, is that we actually keep that youth academy. You know, we we can somehow keep that going because I don't know what the cost of it is a year. But for me, that is a fantastic investment because we've already seen the fruits of that. You know, it's just paid, it's paid a massive bill, hasn't it, with we Um And, you know, it, it's, it's given us a lot of, it's given us two teams a week at a certain point of the season to go and cheer on. You know, we, yeah. you know, all of us on the podcast, we've been there watching the youth team and we really enjoyed it. You know, so... That, that for me would be the thing. Is is there a way of keeping our model going, of actually producing really good youth players and uh, being able to sell them on, or signing players who haven't quite made it at the top level, but we can improve them, the likes of Williams and Robinson. You know, every, everything that um, Jackson and Darren Royal was saying about how a model was for me, was coming good. You know, we, we, we were doing exactly what, what we said we were going to do. And it's so sad. Or it would be so sad if that actually came to an end. So my my hope for the new owners, I don't want, I'm not bothered about spending big, etc. is can we keep that academy going? Can we keep it at um, the standard it is at the moment? And if we can't, then we've got a great future. Yes, well... Um, right, Kev might be uh, glad that you're back now. Um, it may be a question that we can open up to the to the rest of the panel, um, but it's from Chris Sudworth. Uh, really enjoying the format. Can I ask, do we know what the situation is with players' relegation release clauses? Are they activated now or suspended pending appeal? Funnily enough, I just looked on Twitter and saw that question. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was frantically trying to look on the EFL website what the table says. Because to me, it, it's what it's what the official league table says. So as soon as that 12-point penalty is applied, which it sh- according to the regulations, it should have been applied as soon as the final whistle blew last night. Um, but when I've looked at various league tables, I haven't seen that it is yet. Um, so I suppose it all depends what it says on the EFL website in terms of their in terms of the league table. Right. So it's an um, interesting point that one, then, isn't it? Because it's yeah, it, it's unknown um, at the moment. I don't know if anyone has actually managed to find the EFL websites. Um, I've, I've just looked at it now. So it, it, Wigan are twenty third according to the EFL's table with a little asterisk next to the forty seven. Um, now. <clears throat> This always comes down to the fact of what is the player saying and what are their agents saying is best for them. And they'll be taking 
some sort of guidance from what the clubs say about the legal prospects of the appeal. But strictly contractually, I would say that if on the official league table you are in the relegation zone, then I, if I was the agent, I'd be arguing that I could leave and go somewhere else. And, and you say activate the release clause. But it, it certainly wouldn't be cut and dry in the contract. I can't imagine anybody would have that kind of foresight to put that in there. <laughs> well, no. Um, right then, Mr Thorpe, I believe you've got a, a question to come in with. Um, yeah, as per everybody else, it's just a question for Kev. Um, with us going into administration, as to, basically as a result of the owner pulling funding, mm. um, as opposed to anything else, mm. is there any weight in the appeal basically trying to throw some of the owners on the AFL for approving that owner? Um, just weeks before, because if if we've gone into administration because the owners pulled funding, that could happen to any number of clubs in any division, um, and it's unforeseen by the people in the club. But the closeness of that approval of that owner does that carry any weight? Do you think? This is a good question. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because this is the distinction that I was making earlier between the difference of regulating individual people and regulating the owners, whether it's an individual or a, or a company or however it may, might be. Because the, there's two different tests you have to satisfy ultimately. One is that each individual with the relevant shareholding or influence has to pass the owners and directors test. The second test is one about proving the solvency of the club. And you have to prove it not just for this season, but for next season. Now, it seems to me, and I have no particular proof of this or hard evidence, but it seems from what people say is that the EFL simply asks for a proof of funds. And if you're from abroad, it comes in some sort of bank guarantee or a, um, a, a solicitor's letter, which says that the owner has X amount in the bank. What it doesn't say is it doesn't force you to say that you will spend that money on the football club. And that does seem to be quite a significant shortfall in the regulations to me. Um, <clears throat> so I think it would be difficult to, because what the EFL would probably say is, well, we, we've run exactly the same procedure as we've done for every other club. And we basically, we were fooled as much as you were I think that's what they would probably say um, and again what you have to remember is the EFL are kind of going to bat for the rest of the clubs in the league so in a way they have to represent what the other clubs are thinking in, in the, particularly in the championship but across the broader football league so they can't just simply say oh sorry we feel really sorry for you you know we'll happily wave this through they have to fight their corner to uphold the regulations as written, regardless of what they might think privately. So um, that's the that's the key distinction between the individual person and the solvency point. But clearly, whoever told the EFL that they were solvent, either they're not solvent or they're just not willing to put the money in after the event. But that event is so close, isn't it, to the purchase? 
Well, um, I think I think we were all sort of I think you're all sort of tiptoeing around it earlier about what's happened. But what I would certainly what I think you can say is, is that people who are far more versed in finance than I am, or none of them have been able to say yet that they can find a, a reasonable explanation for what's happened. Yeah, Looking at every well, possible business case, they can't see it. So yeah, it's, it's like where I butchered the Brian Hanrahan quote before, where you say, I can't for legal reasons say that there has been anything untoward going on, but I would bet my house that there has, type of thing, if I were a betting man. I think that's what everybody, it, there is there is just no logical explanation. I think that's all you can say without casting any aspersions yeah, on anyone in particular. From a business perspective, and I know football is not a, unfortunately, not, not a normal business, <laughs> But even from the crazy world of football and football finance and ownership, there, there is no reasonable explanation for what's happened. No, I, I did notice that there was, um, uh, and it's horribly remiss of me not to be able to credit um, whichever person it was on Twitter that was linking a number of corporations and previous activities of Mr. Chai and his friend who he sold it to, uh, sold the club to, with a few other um, bankruptcies and things. So yeah, it definitely does not look right. Okie doke. Um, anyone else got anything you'd like to bring in? Barry, have you got anything you'd like to, to mention? Uh, how's the votes going on the player of the season? It looks like, uh, for me, Sam Morsi is... Um, Making his way through um, to, to be the winner. Yeah, yeah so. that's what it's looking like. There's a few shouts, obviously. Joe Williams, I think that's a worthy shout. Um, there's a mention of Anthony Robinson, Cal Naismith. Um, but yeah, it's um, very much swaying to Morsi. Just on the, you asked about the new format, Sai. Um, there is an interesting comment here saying, I like the new format, but it falls apart without me, which I thoroughly agree with. Is that one of your friends? I don't know. Um, but yeah, people people like the new format. A few people that say they prefer the uh, the recorded version, which is fair enough. And it is well, available, that's... isn't it? Yeah, that'll be out later anyway. So yep. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll, I think we'll keep that format, whatever happens, in terms of uh, releasing and recording. But yeah, Sam Morsi um, winning the uh, the vote on the YouTube side of it anyway. Oh, belting, belting. Um, has anyone got anything they'd like to to bring in as we start to to roll towards the uh, the end of uh, this evening's podcast uh, just the fact uh, that oh, I think sorry about it, sorry there's, about a lot of, it. Uh, 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 there's a lot of uh, a lot of angry and sad Latic supporters out there um, angry, angry of, of the situation we find ourselves in but uh, quite despondent as well I think this being relegated this way hurts a lot more than as being absolutely crap and knowing that it's coming, you know, we went down under under Malcolm McKay, we went, we went down under Warren Joyce, and uh, we were awful and we knew we were coming. But this, we've been playing, we've been playing like a, a team on a mission. It's been fantastic football. We scored goals, you know, from Christmas I'm talking about, uh, and it's it just feels like uh, we've been kicked between the legs. It's it's, it, it's really hard to take. Uh, like Adam said earlier on, the club, the club was on a great footing. 
it looked like for the next five to ten years with with a load of players coming through from the academy who were going to get into the push team and then going to make us some revenue as well. And uh, those that owner in, in Hong Kong, uh, I don't think he cares what he's done, but uh, he'd probably no idea. I mean, this is it's devastated the club and devastated the town. Uh, that's, that's all I'd like to say. Thank you. Adam? Obviously, absolutely concur with what Barry has said that, you know, this this season for me, in terms of since January, I've enjoyed it more than probably most of the seasons I've been watching since 87. And, you know, apart from maybe that spell in 2012 and obviously the the, the all the years in the, the third tier where we and the promotions, but there was something about there was something about this team. They always like were the underdogs, you know. Like even our own fans wrote a lot of I mean, one specific mention to Cal Nesmith, who for me epitomises everything about this run. You know, he was written off by a lot of fans, and you know he's turned it. He turned it around. He's been brilliant at centre half. He's been brilliant on the right wing, the left wing, wherever he's had to play. Next season, if we don't sign a goalkeeper, I'm sure we could have Nesmith and goal. He'd do a job for us. So you know, all that for me is is has been absolutely superb. And the, the the only other thing I would say is the fact that in the future, I think this has shown the last two or three weeks that when Latics fans are all together and there is no animosity between the fans then that's one of the strongest really so I think they're trying try and keep that going really and try and try and keep strong and obviously clearly thanks to uh, Kevin who I'm pretty sure now he's his second team is definitely looking athletic well yeah as, as we come to the closing remarks I want to um, say thank you to Kevin for um continually coming on to the podcast, uh, putting up with Adam constantly, probably getting in touch and uh, trying to trying to get you on. It's been uh, it's been really appreciated. Um I don't want to say this is the last one for the season, um because I think we'll be following up on any events that come in, in the coming weeks. No doubt we'll probably have Kev on again, take up some more of his evenings. Um but just to keep us in in uh into what's actually accurate. Has anyone got anything else before I uh, wrap up? Uh, yeah, just um, Barry's absolutely spot on about this relegation hurting, well, assuming that's what's coming, hurting more than previous ones um, because of how well we're doing. I mean, last night I had, a, I was dreaming, I was up front trying to score goals but couldn't get a shot off. It's that level of frustration. It's just, it's just mad. And I shouted at my daughter for nothing last night as well because I was annoyed. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's hurting this one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Barry, do you have something? I can't follow that really. Oh, you know, without being indecent. Did you shout at the dog? <laughs> no, no. Thinking about my dreams last night. That's all. <laughs> yeah, um, just one comment, sight. Okay. Yeah, just well, obviously um, thank you, Sai, for uh, doing an excellent job as you, always as chairing. The, I know we take the Mickey to you a lot, but um, 
you've done a good job of chairing. I mean, Barry was the king of the chairing, but you you've equaled him anywhere. I'm oh. not going to say you bet. I'm not going to say you've bettered him because Barry's a legend. But you've certainly equaled him over the last season with your chairing of the podcast. And the, this, this club has to survive because if it doesn't survive, there's what we're going to do. We're going to have to do a progress with unity podcast about snail racing or something. So. We, we will survive, and that that leads me now into to my glory again. Glory again. My final part that uh, Adam Arkwright wrote that we are match days, we are up days, we are down days, we are every day. We are Northern Soul, we are Heart and Soul. We are pies and pints, we are blue and white. We are dads, lads, mums, daughters. We are Dave Whelan, Harry Lyon and Ian Gilliband. We are amigos. We are the people and the list will go on. We are Premier League, we are non-league. We are believers, we are odds, odds defiers. We are giant killers, we are last-minute thrillers. We are FA Cup winners. We are part of your community. We are part of your family. We are part of your history. We are a part of your future. We are together. We are Wigan Athletic forever. And I think that does perfectly sum up um, who we are. Um, we're going through a tough time at the moment, but the way that this town, community, club, everyone to a man has pulled together, we're going to be all right. Yeah, and we'll see Sheffield Wednesday in League One next year. <laughs> so if there's nothing else for nothing else for anyone to say, it's a good night from me. Good night, good night, from, night. from us. Good night. Up the tick.